0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing
1: needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
0: Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring. The flooring experts. michaelsflooringoutlet.com. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX.
1: Welcome back. It's Overnight America. I saw this headline trending on social media. G. Gordon Liddy died aged 90 years old um, behind the Watergate break-in that led to Richard Nixon's downfall. He was a radio show host for a lot of years, and I remember one time someone telling me a story of when G. Gordon Liddy broke into KMOX trying to get onto Jim White's program. I'm going to have to find that I'll find that story and maybe I'll play it tonight if I can get my hands on it. And I got to say that just fits in. Doesn't it? How ironic it was one of those late nights. He was invited as a guest to Jim White's program. If I'm remembering this correctly, doors were locked because it was after hours. And of course, this is back when came O X was down by the arch and he wanted in (laughs) and no one was there to let him in. So he he broke in. (laughs) Oh, with the Watergate and everything with it. It's just par for the course. But he was, um, I would say, late 90s and through the 2000s. He had a radio program for a while. I don't know if it was super popular, but it was syndicated. So it was on multiple stations. If anyone remembers that G. Gordon Liddy story, or maybe could recall it because they were a lifetime listener to Jim White's program. I'd be more than happy to uh, take a call on that. we got a lot to get to on the show tonight. In fact, we're going to tomorrow at least get from the White House an outline of how the Biden administration, I think even Joe Biden is going to be the one to give this outline about how much money they want to spend, infrastructure, things like that, how it's going to be spent, uh, how they're going to raise it, what kind of money is going to or what kind of taxes we're looking at. In fact, we're looking at a tax of up to, what, 40 percent for some people, 40 percent income tax. Roughly, it was like 39 or 38, something like that. It was almost a 40% income tax rate. That's a little scary to a lot of people. So Bill Weston is a consumer finance expert who's going to join us a little bit later in the show. So you might not have to worry about it, or you might have to. I mean, what's that really going to entail? I saw this one story, and this is out of Virginia, Goochland County. What a great name for a county, Goochland County. And W.R.I.C. was the one that was reporting a man that suffered a severe reaction to getting, I think it was the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So they showed some photos as part of this, and it is rough. Ooh boy. Yeah, my skin peeled off. It's still coming off of my hand.
2: The 74-year-old now on the road to recovery, relieved to breathe in the fresh air at his Goochland County home after spending five days at the B.C.U. Medical Center.
0: Gee, it just came on so
1: fast. And I'm looking at the photographs, which they have as part of the story, and obviously you can't see it, but I want you to try to imagine it looks like someone took a boiling pot of water and poured it all over his body. Like It it looks like there's just these burn marks everywhere. It is tough. I don't understand how getting a vaccine could do that to your body. That, to me, is remarkable. How is that even possible? On
2: March 6th. Terrell received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine in Ashland, but four days later...
0: Uh, I began to feel a little discomfort in my armpit, and then I began, to, uh, a few days later, I began to get an itchy rash, and then after that, I began to swell, and my skin turned red.
1: This I gotta say, he must take care of his skin, because they say he's 74, he looks like he's 54. I mean, he looks young. He does not look like he's in his 70s at all.
2: This red rash quickly spreading, covering Terrell's entire body, his legs and hands almost unrecognizable.
1: And they show his chest, too. So he has his shirt off and he's got this, you know, he's 74 and definitely not a male model or anything. I keep thinking to myself, there's no way I would take my shirt off and share this with the news to just show them an example. I would think the arms and legs would be enough. I'm not going to show them my bare chest. <laughs> I don't, I'm not comfortable enough doing that. And yeah, so it's tough to look at and to think, how can a shot of vaccine do that to a body?
2: From swelling and discoloration.
0: It was stinging and itching.
2: Skin um, is the largest organ in the body. And when it gets inflamed like he was, they can use a, lose a lot of fluids, lose a lot of... Dermatology hospitalist Ethanu Newton is one of Terrell's doctors. She says his drug reaction could have been life-threatening if untreated. Wow. Uh,
1: of course you have a reaction like that. You have to go and seek medical treatment knowing that you took something that doesn't have a long-term study knowing that they developed the vaccine and they went through the certain trials, but they did it in a fairly quick manner, but all the trials made it safe. And all things considered, when you're talking about millions and millions and millions of doses, you know, hundreds of millions of doses in this case, just in the United States. And then you look across the world and you're not really having these type of reactions. You might be one of the only people that have actually had a reaction like this. You're an anomaly. It's like you hit the lottery, but the reverse lottery, the the lottery, you don't want to win. I don't know if you think of that as a, hey, at least look at the bright side. You're one in a hundred million. No, not in this case. You'd rather have one. Even a gift basket would have been nice in a situation like this.
2: Testing and process of elimination. We ruled out all the viral infections. We ruled out COVID itself. Came to the conclusion that it was the vaccine that he had received that was the cause.
1: Oh, no kidding. So the guy's healthy, looks healthy, is healthy gets the vaccine, and then four days later, this happens to him, and you really thought, gee, I wonder what <laughs> I wonder what caused this. <laughs> oh, you think maybe the vaccine you just put in him? <laughs> Why, what else would it be? Oh, we need to uh, eliminate everything else. Have you come into contact with any asteroids that fell through the atmosphere? <laughs> Are you tingling when, you know, something bad is about to happen? They think there's some superpower associated with something like this. No, of course it's the vaccine. But they talk about they're going to submit this to a scientific journal. They can learn from this. Luckily, he's going to make a recovery, which is a good thing. We're able to look at this and kind of, you know, I can joke about it a little bit because we know he's going to be all right. But they're going to learn something from this. They'll hopefully be able to make this safer in the future for everyone else. And whatever that thing is that was triggered on his body, they can maybe save that pain for the next person. Because, you know, you don't want to swell up and have... It, it does look like a boiling... Pot of water just poured all over the person's body. It it looks worse than a terrible sunburn. It was really bad. So, um, if you wanted to see that, that was from WRIC in Goochland County, Virginia. When we come back, a few things I want to get to on the show tonight, and there's just a few other COVID things I wanted to mention. In San Diego, there's a little bit of controversy going on because there's the certain migrant holding stations and camps that are being put in. When you consider San Diego, you're at the southern part of California. You're close to the border. So you're going to see people trying to enter in that fashion. Even though they do have walls and things, there's still going to be people that try to enter when you're getting close to the border. So as they detain and hold people, um, the, the people that are coming from other countries here illegally, what we're finding out is that the school systems are sending teachers in into the different camps in order to teach the children. And the parents are like, you still won't our, you won't let our kids into the classrooms right now. You're not allowing them to do in-person learning, but you're going to send the teachers in for this? Are you kidding me? So parents are very upset, and rightfully so. I think you would be too. So we'll talk about that. Coming up on Overnight America KMOX.
2: Don't just listen to the news. React to it. We are the voice of St. Louis. Everyone is welcome.
1: Welcome back to Overnight America. Yeah, I saw the news that G. Gordon Liddy has passed away at the age of 90. He was someone that became a talk show host there for a while. I don't remember the years that he was on. I think it was like the 2000s, roughly. It had a pretty good stretch there for a while. And I know that he has a great story on KMOX because Jim White had him on. So when they tried to enter the building, no one was here. It was closed down for the (laughs) nights. And I remember someone telling me he broke into the KMOX building to be part of the interview, which is quite hilarious. But I don't know the full story. If anyone remembers that maybe listening to that on Jim White's old program, that would be amazing if you remember that. But we do have some pretty big diehard KMOX fans. Or maybe you have a different memory. Like Brian, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America.
0: Thanks. Uh, uh, During the 80s, G. Gordon Liddy, toured all the different college campuses and gave lectures on the Watergate, and, and he expounded on all of his stories back then. And one of the stories that G. Gordon Liddy told was that uh, when he worked for the FBI, when he was working for J. Edgar Hoover, uh, they had sent a memo to J. Edgar Hoover, and he had responded back to the memo by saying, watch the borders. And so they sent a fleet of different FBI agents down to the border to to watch the border. And uh, G Gordon Liddy later uh, found out that uh, he wasn't talking about the you know the southern border of the United States. He was talking about the actual memo that had been sent and that the paragraph was too wide, and he said, watch the borders, meant you're making your paragraph too high. That shows you the kind of power that, you know, when he was working for J. Edgar Hoover, that the man had, but he, he told all kinds of different stories uh, over at UMSL, uh, about Watergate and about Dean and about all of the different experiences he had, and I'll tell you, you know, it just mesmerized me uh, the, the way the man, he, he was a brilliant guy and it mesmerized me the way he could tell these stories and, you know, relate these, these different things that happened during Watergate and, you know, he, he may have done a lot of bad stuff back then, but uh, I'll tell you, the guy was brilliant.
1: Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. And that's funny. Isn't it amazing the things that you could remember after all those years? And that's one of them that is just stuck in your mind. The things that could be permanent memories and the things that you wish you could remember, but never will. Like people's names. <laughs> but I'll always remember that. Watch the borders. You know, one day that'll come up and this is what will happen. I'll say, oh, I remember we had a caller one night that gave a G. Gordon Liddy story about watching the borders. And they sent a bunch of agents to the southern border, but instead he was referring to the memo itself where the margins were too close to them. <laughs> To the side of the paper, watch the borders. (laughs) That's what will happen. So thank you. You've implanted a memory into my mind that I'll probably mess up in the future. 314-436-7900. And I don't know if you saw this, but over in San Diego, there's a interesting thing going on because public school teachers are volunteering to teach migrant children in person before actually returning to the classroom to teach their own school kids. How upset would you be as a parent? You're waiting anxiously and you cannot wait for your kids to go back in school. You're thinking about, oh man, they got to get back in. They got to at least salvage a little bit of the year. Even if it's for a couple of months, it's better than them being on an iPad for the entire time. And they're not getting the same learning experience. Please get them back in. And you're looking around and you find out that these same teachers and The ones that keep giving you excuses, oh, we can't come back, we can't come back, we can't come back. You find out they're they're being dished out over to these migrant camps so they can teach the children of those awaiting processing. The San Diego Unified School District are teaching migrant children in person, but not the ones in their own school district. And rightfully so, parents are not uh, feeling good about it. And that was brought up today. During the White House press briefing, let me play this for you real quick so you kind of get a feel. The
2: San Diego County supervisor, Jim Desmond, he says, you know, I think it's great that there's in-person learning for unaccompanied minors from Central America. But I wish every child in San Diego County was allowed the same opportunity for in-person teaching. So I guess the the question is, you know, uh, does the White House think that this sends the right message to these one hundred and thirty thousand kids in San Diego and their parents who've been stuck at home for the last year? Well.
1: I'm going to play the answer, but let me just point out, tell me if this satisfies you. If you were a parent and you're waiting for your kid to go back to school and you're sitting there and thinking to yourself, you got to be kidding me. These same teachers are showing up to the migrant uh, f- detention facilities. You're, you're What? Here, tell me if this would, a sat- would satisfy you. Well,
2: I'm just saying that context is important. And these kids are going back to school uh, for hybrid learning. We, of course, want that to be five days a week, and we're confident we'll get there early next month. And I believe they're also on spring break right now. So these teachers are would be I'm not sure if it's volunteer or paid. You'd have to ask the local school district um, while the kids are on spring break, which I think the context is pretty important.
1: Oh, my goodness. Okay, so you're saying, well, you know, some of these districts are on spring break. So eh, whatever. They wouldn't be uh, in person anyway. But, you know, they're going to come back from spring break and they won't be in person for a while, at least until next month. This is nuts and stupid that in San Diego, you know that the teachers, the ones that are going and doing this right now, uh, are probably similar to the ones that are probably uh, dragging their feet to want to go back in. I don't know if it's the superintendent, the school board, whatever it is in San Diego, but that's ridiculous. And also think of it this way, if you're trying to find ways to safely put these teachers back in and you're talking about day in and day out, we need to do this for the safety of the teachers. We need to do this so we can get in there and make sure their health is uh, there and we need to put the right precautions into place. So you're telling me going into facilities where you have people coming from other countries where you have no health record, you have no idea what they're carrying in when it comes to viruses or if they're carrying anything, you're going to say, "Okay, we're going to put you into this. And then eventually we'll let our kids come back in and who knows what happens after. Then you'll probably blame the kids in the school district, not the ones that were part of the uh, the migrant camps to begin with. This is silly and this is wrong. And what a bad answer to begin with. It's not a fair answer for the parents and they shouldn't accept that. And even the White House saying something like that, that is uh, no, we're not buying because it's spring break. And I don't know much about the teachers, so context matters. Well, you didn't answer the question, and you didn't really address all of the parents of the hundreds of thousands of kids that would should be going back to school. Another uh, cop out there. You should have just said you'd circle back. Oh, I'll circle back. I'll circle back and find that one again. No, that's not going away. Uh, all right, so we're going to take a break, and then coming up after, we'll take a look at your weather. And joining us is also Bill Weston. He's a consumer finance expert. And there is going to be a big White House address tomorrow, and they're going to release some more information, at least a proposal to dramatically increase taxes in order to address some of the issues we have with spending and infrastructure. So what is rumored? Uh, We'll talk to Bill Weston, a consumer finance expert, on the upcoming higher taxes if you'll be affected, or maybe some ways you can just help your own situation. Either way, that's coming up on Overnight America KMOX.
0: the MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Block and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. The boys of summer are ready. Baseball on the radio. The Cardinals 2021 season starts Thursday in Cincinnati. Follow the Redbirds all season long with Shannon, Rooney, and Horton on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. Hang them, OX.
1: A lot of talk about taxes lately with the Biden administration passing that big stimulus bill, close to 2000000000000 trillion. They're already talking about another one. And on top of that, they're already looking at infrastructure and other things. And I believe tomorrow is going to be another press conference to outline some of the ideas and what they want done, which also will come with a pretty big price tag, it will also come with some obligations, perhaps tax obligations in order to try to fund it. Joining us now is someone that's a consumer finance expert, Bill Westrom, thank you for coming on to KMOX. Hello, Ryan. Thanks for having me. And tomorrow, from what I understand, there's some rumors that some of the tax brackets could be moving. And did I hear a 40% tax is possible for some people?
3: Well, I think I heard the same thing. Now I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but I think there's one thing
1: we can all count on.
3: Taxes are going to go up.
1: Yeah. One for everyone, or, or do you think just uh, those that with a certain income? Because they, they always like to point out, well, you should be fine if uh, you know, you're under 200000 or something like that. But uh, for the most part, I don't think anyone feels safe right about now when it comes to their tax rate.
3: Well, I think that's the reality of it because you know we've been here before. And you know, when costs go up, anywhere along the line, who pays for it? Mm-hmm. Consumers. We pay for it at the street whether it's coming out of our paychecks or coming out of the gas pump, coming out of the register, we all know it's coming out of our pocket. And uh, that's why I'm so glad you had me on tonight, because with what I with, what I do, it's even more important to consumers to change the way their money flows through the system so they can start getting more out of the system that we keep feeding.
1: Yeah. Because in, of it the keeps, tough.
3: You know yeah, what I mean,
1: Yeah, I was going to say there's so much that's out of your control, and then there's things that are in your control. So if they decide to raise the taxes, and we saw some positive things during the Trump administration when they lowered the taxes uh, for the businesses and whatnot, and then you saw uh, the economy booming like crazy, then the coronavirus hit. So now we're in a part where the Biden administration comes in, he wants to revert some of those uh, tax cuts that uh, hit during the Trump administration, and now they're looking at taxing high-income earners, and then, of course, businesses probably at a higher rate, too, in order to to make up for it, which is going to be bad because ultimately it's going to be passed on to the consumer. So when you look at it from that angle, there's only certain things that you can do that are in your control. And there's probably some things that people need to start thinking about in order to put themselves in a better situation.
3: Precisely. And, you know, the reason that that everything was booming when Trump was in office is people had more at the end of the month. They had more out of their paycheck, right? Mm -hmm. We weren't, you know, again, we're the blood bag for everybody. So when you you take some of that off of there and, you know, we've got more to live on, that's why we were booming. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, as far as doing things that are under your control, um, you know, we preach all the time, live lean, liquid, and independent. Lean meaning have as little going out the door as humanly possible when it comes to, you know, your budget is one thing, you know, lifestyle and, you know, basic needs. There's one way... You can improve things. Uh, second of all, you know, it's, you know, the traditional thing is to chase low rates and low payments for long you know, and on your loans, which isn't a bad thing. But at the end of the day, you want to get rid of that purchase because it's all that interest and in those monthly payments that are really sucking the life out of most consumers. And right. we all have to realize debt, we're going to have debt. If you're going to have an education, if you're going to have a decent house and a decent car, you're going to have debt, it's just a requirement. And Mm -hmm. so the real key is don't live with it for the rest of your life, manage it on your own terms because with with what I teach and preach, the alternative that my students practice, they're paying their debt off four times faster than they would under normal circumstances. And that's in good or bad times because I started this in 2006, so we lived through the Great Recession when the bottom just fell out and we can all remember that. And my my students, they didn't miss a beat. They just kept on moving because they were in control of the debt instead of the debt controlling their paychecks.
1: Hmm. So you're a co-author of a book, Master Your Debt, and Bill Weston joining us here on Overnight America. And I wonder, because people are receiving these stimulus checks they're getting, depending on how many kids, large amount of money that really is coming with no obligation to it. It's not like it's something they have to repay. So what do you think the smart way to use that money? Is it smart for them to go out and make those purchases that they've been holding off on because it's money they weren't expecting? Should they save it? Uh, should they put it in other places, invest it? What should they, you think they should be doing?
3: Well, that's a really good question because everybody's unique in and of themselves, right? Because your circumstances, your budget, there's nobody on the planet that can have the same numbers as Ryan or Bill. Or Mary or John. So, uh, you know, you if you want anybody to do is make a wise dis- decision for themselves, right? And whether it be for debt, whether it be for investing, is just take a holistic view of you know where do you sit, what sort of resources you have in your hand, and what's the wisest move. You know, when it comes to, and also, you know, there's a psychological side of life where you know we all work hard. Nobody wants to work hard and sacrifice. Now, okay, the stimulus checks, is kind of free money. I get that. But it's human nature to re- want to reward yourself for fighting your way through this life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if somebody's going to go, you know, be frivolous and squander a portion of it to improve their morale in life, well, you know what? God bless you. May not be what
2: I do. <laughs> That's what I do. But,
3: now. you know. I don't think, you know, because when it comes to finances, I don't think there's one right or wrong answer for every consumer and every individual, because everybody's got different beliefs, education. You know, I mean, everybody's different. Yeah. So it's kind of a tough question to ask definitively, aside from practice fiscal responsibility. Right. right? Let
1: me tell you what you I've done. And I. can can i tell you what i've done and maybe you can tell me what uh if it was a good idea or not so i said you know what i'm gonna do because i got two kids so we got a pretty big stimulus check there uh went to home depot and i bought anything i ever wanted to fix up in the house and i'll tell you i'm not regretting those new toilet seats but i pretty much saved the rest of the things and every um every little thing i think about now it makes me a little bit happier to know if something happens hey, I'll be able to take care of that. It, it, it did add a little bit. But then the government complains about that. They say, well, look at the people that were given the stimulus money to. They're mostly saving it right now. They're not spending it. They're not infusing it into the economy. That's a problem. So we need to change that. We, we probably need to move the threshold to who would receive these things in the future. So there's kind of that fight over it, the, the fight that the government wants you to go out there and spend it immediately.
3: You well, know, and, and that's you know, gosh, don't get me started on that side of the fence. But you know, in my opinion, screw them. Then don't <laughs> give me the money. Don't make it conditional, <laughs> right? right? If you're gonna if you're gonna help a brother out, help a brother out. Don't tell me what I have to do with it, because mm-hmm. saving it is a very smart idea for somebody that's worried about another lockdown, which they're, they're threatening with it every day. So saving the money for a rainy day, well. That's great advice, on you know, from every guru in in the country. It says you know, have a six month emergency fund. So how can we, how can you put down a consumer that's being fiscally responsible by saving the money? Screw you, U.S. Yeah. government. You know, again, it's uh, you know, it's an individual choice. And what you did, put the money in, in in your house. Your house is an investment. Keep you know, we you have to put money into a house to keep the value up. So what you did to improve your home and just keep it up to date and comfortable. Hey, God bless you. Good for you. I hope you don't feel guilty about it because you shouldn't.
1: Uh, Some of these independent contractors and people that, Drive for a living they've already pointed out pretty quickly that's the money that they would have been able to spend has pretty much gone back into the gas tank with rising gas prices so people are trying to adjust in certain ways for the rise of just doing business in general and I think people that have been consuming things have realized pretty quickly that the things that they're used to buying and getting pretty quickly uh they're not getting it so quick anymore because either the the labor hasn't been there the demand is short uh, the lumber is too expensive so that's taking longer to get these things so people are you know going to be waiting a long time even if there is things for them to buy right now so there's a lot of other circumstances plus they're even talking about putting uh more money into uh, another stimulus package and to me that doesn't give me a lot of optimism because i'm thinking well they haven't even spent the 1.9 trillion already and they by the time they passed that one, they didn't even spend all the billions of dollars from the one that passed in December. And now we're thinking about even spending more money. That's not going to bode well later when we have to pay the piper. And we're going to have to make up for it somehow. And I don't like the idea of uh, paying more taxes. And that's, that's just going to hurt us in the long run.
3: You're right. And somebody's got to pay for it. And it's going to be the consumer. And therein lies my message of <clears throat> the, the, the killer to the consumer's paycheck, right? If you held a paycheck and you started ripping off pieces, the size of payments, right? You know, when you you know, your gross pay, right? People think, you know, when you ask people how much they make, oh I make hundred and twenty a year. Well that's your salary, but you don't live off one hundred and twenty. That's ten grand a month. Gross. You you probably get a six thousand to sixty five hundred dollar paycheck out for taxes and four oh one K distribution. So you're only now you got six grand. You know, and if you got a family of four, it's gonna cost you twenty five hundred to three grand a month just the basic needs and keep everybody fed and cell phones and internet. Then you got a mortgage. Then you might have a car payment or two. And it's that mortgage and those car payments that just suck the life out of people for thirty years. You know, five, six, seven year car payments. You know, and it's just those are just gonna get worse. You're gonna see ten year car loans because the only way anybody's gonna be able to afford a car is you're going to have to extend the term. I mean, a decent mm-hmm. car is 350 400 a month, you know? So the point is you've got to complete the purchase. You've got to do everything you can to get rid of that debt, the interest that's going along with it, and the monthly payment that's crushing your paycheck because the government is going to keep on feeding on that paycheck until we get an administration that's around long enough that you know we can get rid of this problem. But yeah. until we do, you gotta protect your paycheck and you gotta put it to work. And that's yeah. what credit line banking is all about. <clears throat> is being able yeah, to um, leverage your paycheck.
1: Yeah. And I, I gotta say, um let me ask you this because I think this is pretty important. When it changes from administration to administration, we had this during the Obama administration where they said, oh, he's going to take care of everything. There was that impression that um, all of my needs will be taken care of by the government. And we have people today and politicians today that's still trying to push this mentality that we'll just have the government take care of all these because everything should be a a right to you. So, you know, the obligation of long-term planning, the obligation of responsible spending, they get a Biden administration in there and they start getting the idea that there's going to be these you know, universal basic income ideas and there's going to be ongoing stimulus and uh, ongoing forever. And then people don't make the best decisions there because they rely on something that essentially is never going to happen. Uh, You know, they they lean on to something that's more of a pipe dream than anything else. So they uh, almost encourage you not to be responsible with your money anymore.
3: It's a conundrum, isn't it? You know, and if you look at the markets, Wall Street, Fed, etc., Hey what's good for the banks is not good for the consumer and what's good for the consumer is not good for the banks. It's a constant yeah. push and pull, you know, and if you even look at, at our participation in banking that nobody ever thinks about. You you won't find anybody in the media talking about how the traditional banking model is destroying the consumer because we deposit 17 trillion plus dollars a year into the banking system. 17 trillion What's our return to the consumer? Nothing. Mm -hmm. We get no return for feeding that machine. And then we go borrow the money back and we also borrow monopoly money based on fractional banking. Mm -hmm. Right? And we owe seventeen trillion in debt. And we're paying real money, four or five percent on seventeen trillion that's not even real money. And the bank's taking our seventeen trillion and making another four or five percent off of it. And what does the consumer get out of it? Nothing. That's a problem. And the only reason it all happens, Ryan, is because we push our money into a checking account. And as soon as we do that, we lose all control of the money and it loses all of its value to us besides paying our bills <clears throat> and feeding ourselves. Other than that, the banking, the banking model, not the banking system, just the way we flow our money through as consumers. We're the blood bank for everybody. And we're the ones that have to go refill the supply without any help, and we're feeding everybody else's pockets. So again, credit line banking is taking that, those deposits and leveraging them against debt to reduce balance, save interest, and expedite the payoff. It's like investing your paycheck <clears throat> for 30 days at four, five, 6% return, tax-free. Mm-hmm. And through this normal process of just changing the way your money flows through the system, I'm telling you, Ryan, it's like putting a hairdryer on an ice cube. (laughs) Just watch that ice cube just slowly melt itself away. And I've been running clinical trials on this for 15 years. Normal, run-of-the-mill Americans, your neighbors, people you you bank next to you, you work to, are running this program, and they're paying their debt off four times faster than you are just because they changed the way their money flowed through the current Uh system.
1: So if people wanted to find out more about you or your book or anything like that, where can they go? What's a good website? Uh, Creditlinebanking.com. Okay. uh, Creditlinebanking.com.
3: Yep. And if you uh, go there, order the primer, the Credit Line Banking Primer. And, you know, it's just an introduction. The, the strategy itself and it'll teach you exactly how it works the math and the primer will also give you all the math on how to calculate your own interest on mortgages cars student loans and credit cards it's all very simple so it's, so, it's where the education starts
1: yeah just real quick uh as a country financially with all the debt are we how, how bad are we in trouble on a scale of one to ten one being not in trouble at all ten being oh boy oh boy uh where do you think we are eight eight okay the, yeah, don't, the, the, don't what like we're that. doing is non-sustainable.
3: <laughs> it's not sustainable, yeah. right? The the banking and borrowing model that we've got, it's it, it, it'll crush us. And then uh, you put the government on top of that,
1: there's no hope for us. Okay. Well, Long term. Right. What's your optimism? That, where we'll be year. in a year? Like one year from now, do you think we'll be at a seven or a nine, most likely? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Tell. One
3: thing I can tell you. If, if what I know is widespread, I could have 25% of the population debt-free in five years. Right, Even right. with all this stuff going on, I could
0: make that happen. Okay.
1: So. Well, it, I, I like it. Again, what's the website address? CreditLineBanking.com. Okay. Consumer finance expert Bill Westrom, thank you for coming on to Overnight America. I appreciate the time.
3: Ryan, thank you. It's been an honor and a pleasure.
1: And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. See, I'm not, uh, not feeling good with that number eight there. It's Overnight America, KMOX. Overnight America with Ryan Recker is sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com On the voice
0: of St. Louis, KMOX.
1: You know, we just had our guest there and I was talking about how I spent my stimulus money and you know, I bought some things for around the home. I bought some tools, some little things to fix up here and there and new toilet seats because I've wanted to get new toilet seats for a while. And it just feels great to have a fresh toilet seat installed. And every time I use the bathroom, I think, wow, I do not regret this purchase. I don't know why it lasted or it took me so long. These things are like 35 bucks a piece. They're nice wood. And they have the, the, the lid where it doesn't slam down. It's kind of a slow hydraulic. And I was telling producer Mike about this during the break. And he said, you really missed out on opportunity. He said, when he's looking for a new toilet seat by our building, there's normally some kind of portage on that's out for some construction or whatever. So he says he just he grabs a screwdriver during one of the breaks, goes downstairs Around the corner to one of the parks and just prize one off a porta John. He said, It's a life hack, a free toilet seat whenever you need it. Oh boy. <laughs> I don't know how much effort it would take in order to pry a toilet seat off of a porta John, but yeah, that is one way to do it. But those are the cheap plastic ones. You don't really get a lot of comfort out of a cheap plastic toilet seat. I know they sell them like that flimsy plastic, but I'm talking about I'm I'm talking a nice treated wood toilet seat. There's nothing else like it. Luckily, I've never owned a padded one. Do they even sell padded toilet seats anymore? Last time I went to the hardware store, I didn't look for them. They probably do if I had to guess, but I've only been into a home that had those once in a while. That'd be a game changer, by the way, inside of a porta John. Maybe people wouldn't be so afraid of them if they had that padded seat. Probably not. Yeah, I'm going to do everything I can to avoid that. Uh, real quick, I don't know if you saw this headline. We, uh, maybe we'll talk about this later, but Joe Biden has two dogs, one of which is a younger dog, I think three years old, adopted. And it was a good story. Here's an adopted dog that'll be in the White House. Well, about a month ago, the dog bit someone in at the White House. Not good. So they said the dog's going to get more training. Dog's back and bit someone again. This is number two. And I've been reading some of these law blogs, and they're saying that normally a dog gets a one freebie. Your dog bites someone else after that, you're in some serious trouble. So this government worker, I think through the National Parks Division that was bit, might have a pretty hefty lawsuit. But then again, they got to get that dog out of there. Maybe we'll talk about this later. Another hour of Overnight America coming up next on KMOX.